Hi, everybody. Uh, today, we're talking to Sonali Argade, uh, as a second-year student at Duke Fuqua. And in particular, I think a lot of this conversation is going to revolve around kind of this idea of traditional versus non-traditional. And also, we're going to dig into some of the things that I think that makes Duke and uh, the Fuqua community really unique. So how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Uh, this is actually... Uh, my last podcast that I'm doing before I head to the World Cup. So I'm um, excited to start my vacation in the middle of what's normally our busy season. And I leave behind the capable crew while I'm off uh, watching soccer. Um, but this is not a soccer podcast, so we can uh, leave that aside <laughs> for the moment. Um, so one of the things I think is interesting about you is that there's this idea that people who go to get an MBA, they sort of you know leave college, work for Goldman or something very you know, uh, banking, finance, whatever, right? Uh, junior consultant. That's not your background or how it is that you came to an MBA program. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, your background and what brought you kind of uh, experientially uh, to Duke Fuqua? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I grew up in Florida. And when I was in Florida, I was always involved in music. So I took a bunch of different lessons for various instruments. I started and managed my first band when I was 11. So I've always been this very creative person, but at the same time, always considered myself equal parts academic and creative. So that will come into play later. But um, throughout this whole process, I uh, I decided to go to NYU for undergrad. So I went to Tisch School of the Arts. And when I was there, I studied performance, psychology, and entrepreneurship. So again, it was always this blend of both academics and art. And I always knew, like, you know, I had an idea that I would one day want to go ahead and get my MBA. But while I was at NYU, I started my own record label called Barking Line Entertainment. And I used that to pursue music professionally and self-release my work. So that was my very long answer of saying prior to, to business school, I was a singer-songwriter and operated my own boutique record label. So I got to tour all around the country with my band and definitely had a, a very non-traditional experience. So that's really interesting because I, I know a lot of musicians and one of the things that's certainly the case in you know kind of arts and entertainment world is that at some point, every person who's a musician realizes that they are in a business and they have to mm -hmm. either from the point of view, they have to protect their own interests in terms of the contracts that they sign or that they realize that old modes of how you go about making money don't really apply anymore. I mean, you know, up through the 1980s and 1990s, it was sign a record deal, sell records, make money, and then you might, you know, go on tour to promote that record and sort of that business model has been turned on its head. And so I guess one of the things that I'm curious about is how your experience as an artist maybe made you think about business differently or exposed you to ideas within business that you were curious about and wanted to pursue? Yeah, I'm actually really glad you said that because I think there is a very common misconception and I've spent a lot of time being an MBA student now trying to, especially during interviews and, and different things, trying to convince people of exactly what you just said. I spent uh, far more of my time running my business rather than doing anything creative or musical as as most people assume. So I one of the reasons I actually decided to get my MBA is because I, I was doing business already and, and I liked it. Some people maybe uh, might not enjoy it, but I really did. And, and that was one um, impetus for coming here. But yeah, I mean, from from the age of 17, I had the experience of going into a boardroom and leading a meeting, which is really 
I mean, it was a lot for a 17 year old, but that's such a directly transferable skill to, to coming to business school. So there were a lot of different things like that, that I've been able to leverage. So things like leading a meeting, managing projects, working in really kind of ambiguous and complex environments with always a tight deadline and not enough resources, no budget. So like all, all these types of things are so applicable to a business school environment as well. And you, you chose uh, Duke. Um, we had a couple of weeks ago, uh, Russ Morgan, who's one of the deans, um, really great conversation with him. And he talked some about how Duke is, is really starting to emphasize a bit more the STEM side of things. Um, and that like, it's a little bit more quant, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that, that obviously doesn't mean that they've sacrificed kind of the more traditional leadership, et cetera, um, approach to MBA, how is how is that? Uh, I guess both in terms of what you were looking for, and also in terms of the experience that you've had at Duke. Um, what do you think of that kind of balance between the kind of more traditional interpersonal leadership style of business education versus something that's maybe a little bit more quant heavy? I I think you really have to find that balance, and I think Duke does a really good job of, of doing that. So for me, and and this is just my personal opinion, I think a lot of those hard skills, especially when it comes to quant and things like that, you you can kind of learn that on the job. I think the stuff that's harder to teach is are those soft skills, like like you know taking a leadership. And actually, I'm taking a women in leadership class right now at Duke with a professor named Daisy Lovelace, and it is probably just one of the most fantastic courses I've taken. And it's not a typical business school course. It's very seminar based and discussion based. And I feel like it's classes like that, where I'm really getting a lot of learning and getting things that are very directly applicable to being in a corporate environment, which for someone like me, who has never been in a corporate environment, that's really important. Some of those hard skills like you know, finance and accounting are also incredibly important. So don't get me wrong, but there are a lot of different ways in which you can learn that. So I think a, a school like Fuqua has done a great job of having a very holistic curriculum. And I think that's that's just true of Fuqua in general. I see that they look for very holistic candidates in the application process as well. So I think that's just the ethos of the school. So when you, you first started the process, so you'd mentioned that kind of early on, you'd been thinking about maybe even back in college that an MBA would be your eventual goal. Uh, take me to the moment when you're you decided okay now is the time to actually jump in and do this and was it like a particular shortcoming that you felt like you had in your in your knowledge um an experience you needed to get you know relationships connections um you know the imprimatur of an mba like what was it the th what were the things that were going through your head when like okay now is the time uh to take time away from a career that i've been building in order to pursue this yeah, so the the short answer is I was looking to make a or just a really sharp left turn career pivot and a business or an MBA would be the, the best way to facilitate that. So when I was doing music, I, I really enjoyed it, but there were a lot of things about being an artist that I just didn't feel were sustainable in the long term. So that, that's where that goal of I, kn I knew I wanted to get my um, my MBA at some point came in. I was initially thinking this would be something I did more in my 30s. So I was thinking of it a little more long term. Then COVID happened and the, the whole entertainment industry industry shut down. So I was grounded. I was just sitting. I, I was back in Florida with my family. I, I could literally do nothing. I mean, there's so many Instagram live concerts you can have before both you and your fans are tired of hearing the same songs over and over again. So I, I was thinking about what I wanted to do next. And I remember there was one particular day where I believe it was the CEO of Live Nation. He made a, a prediction that he didn't think live music would 
be back for maybe like another two years and I'm not somebody who who likes to sit around like I, I like to be constantly moving forward seeing success achieving things and sitting on my couch for two years was was never going to be an option for me so I thought about it and wondered um it would now actually be the time to uh, to get my MBA and should I accelerate my timeline a little bit now of course at this point it was July and I had not done anything for my MBA. I had not even studied for the GMAT or GRE, looked at applications or schools at all. And I made the decision that I wanted to apply round one. So it's a very chaotic application process. Probably wouldn't recommend that, but but it did end up working out. Yeah. I mean, it's so fascinating how learning about how different people have used that kind of COVID pause. For a lot of people, uh, it, it ends up being like a moment of self-reflection. Like you, a lot of the things that we use in our life to kind of fill up time, like you're out and about, you're doing this and that, you don't have much time to sort of sit with your thoughts and, and your ideas yeah. about the future. And then suddenly you're like, oh, you know, you're just here with them all the time and you've got you've to gotta work through that. Um, so you come to that moment and then you, there's kind of a, a two-part process, which is deciding that you want to go and get an MBA and then figuring out the schools. Um, what did you look for? Did you have an explicit list or did you just sort of start looking through all the top schools and see which ones, you know, caught your fancy? I, I don't think I ever like formalized the list, but I definitely had kind of two categories I, I was thinking about. So I was thinking basically professional reasons and personal reasons. And then I started by looking at the top uh, schools and, and seeing which would, which was checking that criteria. So I, I probably put more weight on the professional reasons. So the, the first thing was number one, what do I want to do with my career and what schools have a strong track record of, of placing candidates there. So when I first started, I wasn't a hundred percent sure if I wanted to stay on the executive side of the entertainment industry. So at first I, I did think that I wanted to. So I was looking at schools like NYU Stern, UCLA, USC, because they're in New York and LA, they have a lot of alums in, in the entertainment industry. As I was also applying, this was COVID. This was also when the entire West Coast of the United States was on fire. And I was like, you know, I don't know if I, I want to go into an industry that is so geographically limited. I, I am from Florida, as I mentioned, I wanted to find something that would potentially allow me to come back home at a certain point. So I made that decision that maybe entertainment was, wasn't what I wanted. And and so that kind of opened up my, my doors a lot. And I decided that I was interested in exploring both brand management and consulting a little further and figuring out which of those two paths would be correct for me. So that's when Fuqua kind of started to come into the picture. So I knew that they had a strong track record in both those places. Um, the other thing was culture. So I think I kind of had this stereotype in my mind of what an MBA student was. And I, I had this idea of somebody who was really individualized and competitive and cutthroat. And that's not me. And I didn't really want to be surrounded by people like that either. So when I looked up schools that weren't that culture, Fuqua is one of the ones that comes up all the time. And I can also say that is not my experience here. People are really nice and really collaborative. So th those were the two main things. The The other reasons were, were personal. And I kind of came into this going, but this is just a two-year things so of the location isn't great or something like that I can deal with it for two years but I actually ended up loving Durham and would love to stay here long term if that were an option so I looked at things like proximity to home North Carolina is only about an hour and a half away it's also a kind of town um, Durham is very um, there's a lot of like outdoorsy things to do there's a big food scene so it's the kind of place where I'm really happy but that was all kind of secondary to me and the professional things came first yeah I, I think it's really wise to, for, to uh, especially take into account the personal side of things. I work with clients and I can sometimes see them try to talk themselves into a place because they're really in love with maybe a brand. Um, they're like, well, it'll be two years. I won't really be happy. But it's like, no, don't do that. You know, part of it is like, <laughs> this is valuable real estate in your life, right? Yeah. And second, I think that 
if you're if you go someplace and you're not actually happy there, it's hard to excel. It's hard yeah. to build the kind of relationships you want, and you won't get as much out of it. And so, you know, you you, and I, I know like you say, well, it's just two years. I can handle anything, but it is absolutely the wrong approach. Um, and you know, obviously, you don't pick your business school based on you know like. Uh, how many Michelin restaurants <laughs> the place has or something <laughs> like that. But I, I think it's really smart of you. Um, so did you visit Durham before you uh, before you enrolled? No, I didn't. So the, the thing that I was willing to sacrifice was the location. The culture was the non-negotiable part. I, I can't imagine being successful in a school where I wasn't able to talk to my classmates and ask for help and learn from each other. I think that's the whole point of business school too, is all these people are coming in with cool backgrounds from different countries. And if you're not in an environment where you can celebrate that, I, I don't even really know what the point of the degree is. But yeah, to, to answer your initial question, I it was during COVID, so I'm pretty COVID conscious. So I didn't have the opportunity of, uh, of visiting beforehand. So I had no idea what I was signing myself up for. That was the part where I was just like, you know, it's two years if, if Durham ends up being really boring. That was my concern. I had lived in um, New York prior to Durham. So, and, and it's very different. If you're looking for New York, that's not Durham. But I, I was afraid it would be too much of a change for me, uh, but it, it's not. I, I do love it here. Yeah, I mean, um, so I used to live in Durham, and so I have some affection for it. And I think that it, as a small town, it, it sort of punches above its weight in terms of its offerings. Um, but obviously, you know, everyone during COVID, it, it was hard to um, make kind of personal decisions about uh, places to go because it's hard to go there. So how did how did Duke signal to you that culturally it aligned with where you wanted to go and, and what you valued? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So, so two things there. Um, one would be the, the conversations I had with students. So when I reached out to people from different schools, there was just something special about the warmth and how available uh, Fuqua students made themselves to me. I mean, every single person I reached out to was like, yeah, let's get on a call tomorrow. And and they, they were all just so excited about the school in a way that I didn't quite see on the same level with, with, with other people I spoke to. So that was one thing that signaled to me that the culture was going to be something, um, not, not even just the culture of the school, but the culture of Durham and the whole town would be something that I, I would be happy with. The second thing is I always kind of had a soft spot for Duke. So for undergrad, I mentioned I went to NYU but the two schools I was deciding between were NYU and Duke, and then ultimately decided to go to NYU for, for the music reason. Uh, Durham is not exactly known for a, for a great music scene. Uh, so I, I always kind of had Duke in the back of my mind, and it was a school that I thought about. Like, I wonder what, how my life would have turned out if I had gone to Duke for undergrad. What, what would have been different? So that, that was also another reason that Duke came to the top of my list when I decided to, uh, to go to business school. One thing I really like about uh, Duke's application process, and this is a little bit quirky because I see so many different schools' applications, is they have that section where they ask you for, say, 20 things about yourself. Yeah. Right? Um, and I think that I like my personal take on it is I think it's fantastic because the first five or six things that you can think of are like the prepackaged things that you have decided that you're going to tell everybody and that you're going to use to market yourself but then after that you've kind of got to like dig and you sort of start being real right and and I don't know this to be the case and no one has ever told me this is the case but I kind of feel like in the admissions office they sort of jump past the first five and then they start to dig in to like okay here's the real person um you know I don't you don't have to uh say anything you're not comfortable telling but can you tell us maybe a little bit about how you approach that and like um 
how you thought about it either holistically or the kinds of things that you wanted to say, like how you go about um, portraying yourself as like a full, well-rounded person? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love this essay question and not everybody does. I know a lot of people like hate the 25 things because it's really hard to think about 25 interesting things about yourself. But uh, to me, that signaled in the application process that Fuqua was actually looking for a holistic candidate and that, and that they actually were looking and it wasn't just like a line that every school says. It's like, of course, you don't want holistic people. Like This was the, the signal for me that they, they really were committed to that. So in terms of how I approached it, um, I kept a, a running list of just like any random fact that I could think about. And I didn't even put anything to paper. I just had a notes app open and any random thing I thought of, I put it on that list. Uh, I also talked to family and friends and asked them what they thought was cool about me. Um, sometimes what your perception of yourself is really different from uh, from what people around you would, would, would say or think. So after I, I did all this, I made my list and my goal was to actually have 40 things, uh, which I know, again, people struggle for 25, so 40 might sound like a lot, but not everything you write down is gonna be interesting. I As I wrote, but, read through my list, there were definitely some things that sounded really cool in my head, but weren't translating to paper, or I felt like they needed a lot more context. And, and you need to be like pretty succinct and snappy with them. You don't have time to, to write a whole essay with, with, with each fact. So um, with that, I, I narrowed it down to 25 and then sent that list around to a couple friends, asked for feedback. And then one thing I asked myself is with every fact that I've written down, what is the, what is the takeaway? If somebody read this, what does it say about me? And I wanted to make sure that what it said was a something I, I was on board with and something that was interesting and, and painted a picture of me as, as a holistic person. And I think that worked. Yeah. So there's two things from that, I think, that are really great takeaways. One, and this is, I think, especially true with this essay, but in a lot of parts of an application process, one of the ways that you can use people who know you is to specifically ask them, what's interesting about me? Or does this sound like me? Um, because, you know, maybe... Uh, giving your mom your personal statement to like look over is not always great because she's always going to love everything. But if you just ask them, you know, does this sound like me? Um, or if you say, what, what do you think is interesting about me? And I, I always say this to, to clients that um, healthy people don't always think that they're incredibly interesting. Like there's this thing like <laughs> the life that you live is just the life you live. And no matter what you do, um, you know, even if you're Batman on the side, that's just what you do every day. And so it's not terribly fascinating and so to hear someone else tell you this is an interesting or unique thing about yeah. yourself it can be really useful um in that regard and second i think that what's really smart about that is you connect it to like a larger theme right like you don't um you don't have to be like overly rote or transparent about it necessarily but it should start to paint kind of a holistic picture of of who you are and what you value um you know because the same just like i like brussels sprouts well okay <laughs> But then, like, what is that? Where does someone go from there? And and one way to think about it is if you get asked about it in an interview, what are you going to say? Right? Yeah. Um, it does it does it provide grounds for a conversation? Is there somewhere yeah. that you can go with it? Um, okay, so you're in the middle of applying. You apply. You get accepted. Um, what has surprised you about your experience at Fuqua? Um. I, I I get this question uh, a lot because I, I conduct admissions interviews too. So everybody always asks uh, this question and I, I always struggle to answer it. I think one one thing would be, and you are told this beforehand, but, but hearing it and experiencing it are two different things. There are just 
so many different things going on in business school all the time and people are all incredibly talented and um, being in this environment where there's just so much simulation all the time uh, and then recruiting is really intense there's just a lot of intensity all at one time and it happens very suddenly they do prepare you for this uh, beforehand verbally but experiencing it is uh, it's a different thing and I think that was a bit of a surprise but also kind of contradicting that I I was used to being in such an environment where as a musician where I was figuring out things by myself I had to I was the, the sole person in charge so while I did manage teams it was on me to make the decision so I had been used to an environment where it was very chaotic and and stressful all the time so in some ways th this actually felt better to me because there was a lot of structure in place and support in place around me that I didn't necessarily have beforehand so in some ways it was a lot harder than I anticipated but I also felt very prepared to take it on. And then in terms of, you know, you, you sort of def uh, divide uh, a business school experience between inside the classroom versus outside the classroom. Um, how did you approach uh, starting inside the classroom, kind of the selection of your courses and, and thinking about uh, how you wanted to prepare and build towards the career that you would have after you graduated? Yeah, so the uh, the first terms at Fuqua are all core classes, so you don't, you don't have any say. You're taking what uh, what they make you. Uh, I think that's really good, though. I mean, the core classes are are definitely the more difficult ones, and it was academically by far the most challenging part of my time at Fuqua. But it does pro provide that groundwork and foundation that you need, so it's important. Um, and Fuqua, we start taking electives in the spring term, unless you've exempted classes, then you can start in the falls. But for me, I I started in the spring term, and at that point, I uh, had a so I, I interned at her doing marketing and brand management in the summer. So at this, this point, I, I knew that I was going to be doing that. So I started thinking about the different skill sets that I wanted to build out. So I was really interested in marketing classes. And regardless of my internship, I came into business school having a background in marketing and really loving marketing. So I, I probably would have taken those classes regardless. So I took classes like market research, which was all about um, different forms of data analysis and different tools that people use. That was actually really, really helpful uh, in my internship. I also took a class called strategic brand management, which unsurprisingly was very helpful for a brand management internship. So I, I took a lot of marketing classes basically that um, that I found were really interesting and I'm still continuing to take a lot of marketing and leadership classes now in my second year. Something that I haven't done yet is uh, explored finance courses. So I'm planning to do that in my spring term and, and then I will be done, I'll be graduating. So I, I think basically uh, figuring out what, what gaps in knowledge that you have and also just what interests you. It doesn't necessarily have to be filling a gap because again, I really do think you can learn on the job. I think this is a lot more about what interests you and what do you feel like you're going to benefit from. And in terms of uh, your extracurricular and, and how you use those to either complement um, what you're doing in the classroom or to prep for the next phase in your career? Yeah, so uh, two things that I'm a part of this year that I really enjoy are I'm an admissions fellow, so that means that I conduct interviews for uh, incoming or prospective MBA students, and I'm also an FCCP fellow. So FCCP stands for Fuqua Client Consulting Practicum, quite a mouthful. So uh, basically, FCCP is one of the experiential learning programs that we have here at Fuqua. You can participate in, or it's mostly first years who participate in it, and you apply, you're assigned a different client, and you basically go through a consulting engagement with them. And then as a fellow, I'm a second year mentor for that team. I have really enjoyed both these roles, but I think the FCCP one is pretty unique. So I'll speak more about that. I uh, was drawn to it because number one, I think that kind of experience where you are just 
just thrown into uh, a new client in an industry that you might not have any uh, expertise or um, yeah, any experience in and learning very quickly. Is this a good project for students? Um, did, does the client have an idea of the scope of the project? What are even the correct questions to be asking, especially in an industry where you don't have any experience? All that kind of training is really helpful. It keeps you on your toes and is something that's to me is very directly applicable to the workplace. So I've really enjoyed my capacity in that role thus far. I'm now transitioning to, we, we just staffed our uh, student team. So I'm now transitioning more into that mentorship role. And I, I again, I've, I've led a lot of teams as a musician, but it was in a very different context. So uh, this is a lot of learning for me. And I think, again, really directly applicable to what it would be like to lead a team in a, in a corporate environment. So I've learned a lot thus far and, and planning to, to continue learning with this. Yeah, when you listening to you talk about this, one of the things that has struck me over the years about Fuqua is that people that I know who are graduates, um, and then certainly people who are still there, they maintain a sense of connection. And, you know, family gets thrown around as a term, maybe too loosely in a lot of different contexts, but it feels like that there's a, there's a real sense of closeness. Um, and that uh, that's part of what makes the school um, strong and special is that, you know, there, there's, yeah, people who are there now care about what it's going to be like in five years. And they also, the second years care about the first year's experience, et cetera. And so you're now in this position where you're also working in admissions capacity, um, kind of helping to uh, shape what subsequent classes look like, right? Um, when, when you're thinking, so someone who's coming to the school and they're thinking about applying, and I know that you had kind of maybe a rushed experience, right, to go from... <laughs> Um, it was a July to basically September where you had to yeah. do everything, right? Um, supposing that someone came to you having a bit more time than that, uh, what would you <laughs> what would you advise them in terms of um, whether Fuqua was the right school for them, and also how they should go about thinking about the admissions process, what they should emphasize, um, and what people in your position tend to care about and look at. Yeah, so um, I always preface this with the only part of admissions I do is the interview. I have no idea what goes on in that ad com room. So this is just my personal opinion. So take it with what you will. But I know that when I am conducting interviews, I want to see that students have, have spoken to people at Fuqua and really care about Fuqua specifically. I think a common trap that a lot of people do is they'll, they'll just look at a ranking list of, you know, what are the top schools? And then they just send out an application to every top school. And that might be a fine starting point. It's it's fine to, to want to go to a prestigious institution, of course, but you, sh you, should, you should understand why Fuqua makes sense for you if it does. If it doesn't, you know, don't need to apply. But um, in terms of understanding what, why, if it is a good fit for you, I think it's really they're looking for candidates who are very holistic. And I think, again, that's exemplified by that 25 random things essay. So it's not just, do you have amazing test scores and an amazing GPA? Like all my classmates are people who have all those things, but they're also great cooks or they're tremendous athletes or they're fantastic musicians. Like people are just so well-rounded and have so many varying interests. They're all very well-read and, you know, they're, they're, they're just very dynamic people. So I think there's a lot of emphasis on, on people like that. Um, there's also a lot of emphasis on community. So my second year has all been about being in a mentorship capacity. And, and that's pretty much true of, of every second year's experience or something you were just saying earlier, the, the FCCP project that I am a fellow for, the client is actually a Fuqua alum and he did FCCP when uh, when he was a student here. So that, that whole culture of giving back and like exactly like you said, leaving the, the school a little bit better than when you first found it, that's very much the ethos here. So if you are the kind of person who who fits into that, then I think that's really important. 
there is also kind of the practical nuts and bolts part of it, right? You go to business school because you'd like uh, a better job or to get on like a career trajectory. We talked a little bit at the beginning of this interview about how you come from an unusual background, well, non-traditional, unusual has a negative connotation, <laughs> non-traditional background. Um, how has your experience been in terms of support and kind of individualized attention so that it's not just like you feel like you're moving through a factory where, you know, you're getting stuck into a consultant mold and then shot out? Like, is there accounting for your your background and what you hope to do and, and how to think about kind of the strategy and planning and connections that go into building a career? So to, to be perfectly frank, I feel like I had a pretty good idea of exactly how I was going to translate it. And I, I felt confident with that and, and really moved forward in that way and, and ended up getting the internship that I wanted. I think that support was definitely there had I sought it out more, not to say that I didn't. So I I, I did work with the CMC and then checked in and made sure that things like my resume and cover letter were uh, looking good, mock interviews and all that. But I, I think I could have leaned on them even more if, if I wanted to, but I did feel pretty confident with my approach. For me, it was all about really highlighting transferable skills. And there were so many, and I would venture to guess that no matter what your background is, there are so many transferable skills if you can learn to talk about them with the correct terms. And if you can speak about your experience, maybe in a more broad or general way, I definitely found so many different things. That, and we touched on a few of them at the beginning of our conversation that were very directly applicable to what I would be doing in a, in a corporate workplace. And I made sure to really highlight that. And uh, I think another thing that's important from a non-traditional background is kind of taking that step back and realizing not everybody has had your experience. So, um, you know, what, what you said at the beginning, you very much understood that a musician is someone who's running their own business. A lot of people don't. So I took the time to, before I answered anybody's tell me about yourself or any question like that in an interview, I took the time to make sure that the people I was speaking with understood what exactly my role was, because a lot of people have misconceptions about what that is. So obviously you're at a place, um, both in a literal sense, in Duke Fuqua and also the positioning you, you've, you've achieved for your future career, that's pretty good. Um, but like, there's always like, if you were to go back at the start of this process and talk to you two and a half years ago, are there pieces of advice that you would give in terms of um, either doing something different or better, or maybe you should have cared more about this, cared less about that? You at the beginning of the business school application process, what do you wish you had known? Of the, of the application process? Yeah. The, from the moment you decided, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to apply and you could, you know, zip back in your time machine and just have a five minute conversation with yourself. What do you tell yourself? Uh, gosh, I'm think I, at first I was thinking about what would I do differently about the business school experience. I have that answer. Uh, for okay, I'll, I'll ask you that next. Then. That's a good follow-up. <laughs> right. uh, for, for applications, uh, I mean, FUCO was my number one choice and, and it happens. I, I probably wouldn't do too much differently other than I would say I it, it ended up working out fine. I wish I had spoken with more students at Fuqua. Um, I, I spoke to people in the media and entertainment club, especially when I was trying to figure out if that's what I wanted to do with my career and would that be possible for me if I if I came to Fuqua. Um, I spoke with a couple other students. I can't remember what clubs now, but I think the, the more diverse perspective you can get, the better. And I also think that you probably shouldn't just reach out to people that you see on the admission site. You should start start there because you, you do need names but ask them to recommend someone as well and getting people who you know, you know it, it's easy to get one perspective of the school when you're talking to people who are only in the leadership positions but I think it's also important that you talk to someone who isn't and see how that experience differs because the, the true answer is is somewhere in the middle so getting a broad uh, array of perspectives I think could have been really interesting for me but I mean I, I wanted to go here and pretty much no one was going to change my mind so <laughs> ended up working out. <laughs> 
That's great. Uh, and then since you suggested the question, what would you have maybe have changed about your, your uh, business school experience itself? Yeah, so uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. There's only so much time in the day, but I put so much emphasis on my academics and my recruiting, which I wouldn't necessarily change because it, it did ultimately get me the outcome I was hoping for. But my my social life was was not happening, and and I do regret that. I wish that I had gone out more and uh, made friends with more of my classmates because everyone here really is fantastic and dynamic, and that's a crucial part of the MBA experience as well. And I think that's something that I wish I could go back and put just a little bit more emphasis on as well. All right. And then connected to that, um, I spoke a little bit before about how several of my good friends are Fuqua grads and they love their experience. They talk about it even 10 years later now. <laughs> um, if you could imagine 10, 15 years in the future, what do you think that ultimately you will have taken away from your time at Duke Fuqua in terms of either personal transformation, professional trajectory, whatever? Uh, two things. One, one is very corny, but I'll, so I'll start with it. It's probably the, the, the friendships that I've made here. Um, the, the people, so I would, I'm the kind of person who likes to make a few close friends and like have very deep connections. And I think I've definitely found that here with, with a few people that I, I think are exceptional, uh, are a big part of the reason I've been successful here, whether that was helping me through an assignment that I'd never seen before. And, and, you know, a lot of people have seen a lot of these, uh, skills or a lot of these concepts before that I haven't. A lot of people are here with more traditional undergraduate business degrees. So I've leaned on my classmates from things that are, you know, academic, personal. I think those relationships, that's something that I'll, I'll definitely take forward. On the professional side, I think one of the biggest things I've gotten here is just the correct language to talk about a lot of different problems. So I, you know, I was running my own business. A lot of the things that I saw, I, I see the very direct parallels to a case that we might see in class, but, you know, we never talk about the music industry in class. You've never had a case about that, but I see so many parallels. So just learning the correct vocabulary or learning to think in a more structured mindset, I think that is, is very key and definitely something I will take with me. All right. Um, I want to thank you uh, genuinely because I guess uh, I guess people who are listening to this will get the cleaned up version that does not have the interruption from my dog, my daughter, et cetera. <laughs> You've been extremely accommodating and kind, and I'm sure that even my dog Harry appreciates your nice words about his business. Um, I want to thank you again, Sonali, for spending some time with us and letting us know about uh, Duke Fuqua and your experience applying. Um, I do wish you the best of luck with the rest of your year. Uh, now that the end of a very happy experience, I hope, is in sight and you're off to uh, great and fun and amazing things in your professional life. Well, thank you so much. And, and thank you for having me. Really enjoyed this conversation. All right. You have a great day. You too. All right. Bye-bye.